Amen. I know you're turning in your Bible, so you're a little bit preoccupied, but your amen's not ready yet. So as you get to Exodus chapter 20, go ahead and get your amen ready. All right, Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11 is where we're studying God's Word together this weekend. Well, this weekend, or this week, as I was spending some time with the Lord, I kind of felt like the Lord gave me a series that I'm going to share with our church family at some point in the future. And I think the title of that series is probably going to be Lessons from Mars. You say, Lessons from Mars? Yeah, because the Lord put on my heart about three, four, five messages that He wants me to share with our church family that are so contrary to how we live and how we operate in our world today, that if I share those messages with you, they are going to seem a little bit like Pastor Avi just came from Mars. He doesn't have a clue what life is really like. Well, what we're going to talk about together this weekend could likely be one of the topics in that series. Because it is so different than the way we think and certainly how we live our lives, that most of us are probably going to be tempted to say, where on earth did this come from? I've never heard anything like this. I have no idea how to live this out in my real life. But I want to say to you, it is an area of our relationship with God that has the potential to change your life. If you will listen to the Lord's Word, if you will receive it and obey it. We are, for those of you that are maybe here for the first time, we want to welcome you. Thank you for coming today and seeking the Lord together with us. But we're in the middle of a series on the Ten Commandments. I think many of us, maybe most of us, are familiar with that idea. Maybe you've studied them before, maybe you've never. Maybe you've heard of them, you don't know what they say. But we're in the middle of a series and we're talking about the fourth commandment. Let's go ahead and read that together in Exodus 20 verses 8 through 11. And then you're going to understand a little bit better about this whole Mars thing. It says in verse 8, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male or your female servant or your cattle or your sojourner or foreigner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, before we get too far into these verses, I want to share a few things. Because many people wonder, many Christians wonder, does the Sabbath apply to us today? So I want to give you a few thoughts, a few observations to start with as we begin the message. First of all, I want us to notice that the Sabbath is included in the Ten Commandments. Now, some people say, yes, the Sabbath is in the Ten Commandments, but it is only ceremonial law. In other words, it has nothing to do with us today. That was specifically, particularly for the nation of Israel and God's dealings with and through them. Yet as we look at the Ten Commandments, I think that most people, as they study them, would say that all of the others are clearly moral law. 
They are not ceremonial law. They are moral law, which means that they are, they are laws that are given to govern our lives as human beings throughout history. Universal principles that God gave us to live by. In fact, I think it's interesting that the one that we want to kind of say, well, that one doesn't count, actually, at least in English, takes up more words than any of the other commandments. Isn't that interesting? If God was going to give us an afterthought, don't you kind of think he'd say like a Jesus wept verse? Don't you think it'd be like two verses, right? Like Sabbath is good, you know, and then move on to the next commandment. But he spends all of these words on this commandment. It doesn't seem like that would be one that God would say, but that one doesn't count, right? In the midst of his Ten Commandments. Also, I want us to realize that the Sabbath has a clear and real prominence in the Old Testament. If you read the Old Testament, it's interesting. If you've never read the Bible before, if you just read it, you're going to notice that, wow, the Sabbath, this idea, whatever that is of the Sabbath, seems to come up a lot. This seems to be something special to God. This seems to be something important to the Lord and in His relationship with His people. In fact, I've done a a check on the words in the Old Testament and, and their uses. The word Sabbath is used approximately 90 times in the Old Testament. The word grace, which is pretty important, right? That's used approximately 40 times. Now, this is in English. The word hope is used about 70 times. The word love about 130 times. So Sabbath is about half as many times in English as the word love. And some of those passages, if you read them, are not just kind of afterthoughts. They are very strong statements of the importance. In fact, it's going to say in these verses that the idea of the Sabbath goes all the way back to the time of creation. Now, I certainly don't mean to be saying that the Sabbath is more important than the other commandments. But so that we don't minimize it, we should say it's at least what? As important, and at the least, not see it as not important at all. Thirdly, I want us to realize that the Sabbath has a place in the New Testament as well. If you read the Gospels, you're going to read the word Sabbath quite a bit. As Jesus is teaching while on this earth, he he refers to, he interacts with, He talks about the Sabbath quite a bit as he's dealing with people. And somebody says, well, yeah, but that's because he was talking to Jewish people. But we still see it represented in other places, the principle of the Sabbath. And there are indications we're going to look at in just a minute that it was being practiced in a New Testament kind of way. The last thing I want to point out before we move on is the Sabbath. Did you know it has a much bigger meaning? Like many Old Testament Uh, principles, it points us to a bigger reality. Now, we're going to talk about that more in just a moment. But listen, very simply, I just say this. The Sabbath reminds us, I'm going to heaven. The Sabbath reminds us, listen, the bigger principle, really heaven, the principle behind behind heaven is, is that God has given us an eternal rest for our souls. That's a good place for an amen. Anybody here tired? Anybody here wish it would let up just a little bit? Anybody here know in your heart it's supposed to not be like this? We are going to experience. If you've put your trust in Jesus Christ, there is a Sabbath rest for your soul that is awaiting one day. 
So I say all that to say, as I study this principle, my sense is, now listen, let's make a distinction and let's be clear. While we may not be called to practice the Sabbath exactly as the nation of Israel in the specifics that they were called to in the Old Testament law, this commandment is by no means something we should blow off as no big deal, as not important. So the question for us might be, and by the way, we just talked about the enemy. Whenever I see things like that, that makes me wonder, is this something pretty important for our souls? If we're not paying attention to it, that the enemy would distract us from it. So the question might be, why is it? What is it that God wants to do in our lives through this fourth commandment? What implications does it have for our walk with Christ today. What was it intended to point us to? While obviously stopping short of specifically following out the specific commands in the Old Testament law for the Jewish people in terms of an Old Testament Sabbath observance, what was it intended for us as New Testament believers? So in our series on the Ten Commandments, let's talk about that together. The fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath. Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11. As we try to consider that together, there's three principles that I want to bring out about what the Sabbath is, about what what it's about, what it involves. And let's talk about the first one. The Sabbath is about rest. Write that down. Write it down. And then after you wrote it down, it's only four letters, so write it down. Now, I want you to think about it. I'm going to say it again. I want you just to breathe. The Sabbath is about rest. Anybody need some of that? Amen? It says in verse 8, remember the Sabbath day. When I, when I said actually there's a Sabbath rest for our souls, I'm actually being redundant. The word means rest. So I actually was being redundant. I said there's a rest rest for our soul. But, but this, the word Sabbath, actually, that's what it literally means. God is saying, remember. Now, this is in the positive, remember? The, most of the commandments in the Ten Commandments are negative. This one's in the positive. <clears throat> but he could have put it in the negative, couldn't he? Instead of remember, he could have said what? Let's go the other way. Don't forget about, I like this, the rest day. Boy, I don't want to forget about that one. Amen. Actually, I'm looking forward to that one. I tell my kids, my favorite thing in the world to do is nothing. Amen? (laughs) Any parents? Amen? You get to a place in life like that, don't you? Some young people are starting to experience that. Amen. Amen. In verses 9 and 10, he spells it out very clearly. He says, you've got six days to work. That's God's design. Listen, friends. That's God's design for these bodies, for these lives that we're living. God made us... So that in six days, you can go to your job and make the money that you need. You can work on your house. You can keep it up. For six days, you can do all your work, expending your energy, keeping things going. But he says, but on the seventh day, the seventh day is a Sabbath or a rest of the Lord your God. It can be translated to the Lord your God. And he continues to speak that very clearly. He says, on that day, you shall not do any work. It can be translated, you shall do no work. 
And he makes it clear. He says, not you or not anybody you have responsibility for. No one who is under your direction. No one should be working on that day because of you, is, is what he's saying. Not even a foreigner. Not even a stranger, which I think is interesting. Somebody said that's more evidence that this is a universal principle that is not just for the nation of Israel. Because if you had somebody visiting with you, he said, anybody under your responsibility, not just the Jewish people, need to rest on that day. Then in verse 11, he takes it a step further. And he ties it with his own work and his own rest during creation. Write this down. God did all that he needed to do in six days. Then he rested on the seventh day. And really, that's all that we need. God needed six days, and he rested. And really, that's all we need. He, he rested that day. He made it special, and so should we. We should follow his example. Now, I think we need to point out, did God need rest? Did God need rest? No, God is not a man. He, he doesn't get tired. I believe he did it mostly as an example for us. He didn't need to rest, but he knew that we would. For rest, for worship, we're going to talk about some of those things. So he did. By the way, sometimes, do you realize, sometimes we do things that we don't necessarily need to do because it's helpful for others. That's a very Christian principle that many of us don't know. Just because something's not wrong to do doesn't mean I can always do it because it may not be best for you. God set that example, didn't he? I know you're going to need this, so I'm going to rest. By the way, I think it's interesting for those who try to make the six days of creation, oh, those aren't literal days, or those are like ages of days. If you read these verses in a straightforward way, what does it sound like? It sounds like God made the heavens and the earth in what? In six days. It's, if you read it very straightforward, God made the heavens and earth in six literal days. By the way, why is that so hard for us to accept? He was actually kind of just not showing off by doing that. He could have spoken it all into existence in half a second. Amen? Why is it so hard? Do you see how we've let our culture sort of set the framework for our base assumptions? If God is who he says he is, this is no problem, people. This is no problem. But the picture is of God resting. After the six days of creation, it says God rested and therefore we should rest. Write this down. God did not make us to go Go, go. I'm going to make you write that down because I want you to see. Isn't it tiring when you're writing it down? God did not make us to go, go, go nonstop without any regular rest. God wants us. He designed us. He designed this system in such a way that we would have regular weekly times when we rest. Let's write down some of the things that might include. That might, first of all, that might include personal recuperation. We were not made to go seven days a week, 365 days a year. We need rest. The story is told about an old guy and a, a young guy, and they were in this uh, uh, 
tree chopping contest. And the young guy's like, oh, that old guy, he, there's no way he's going to be able to. I can chop trees all day long. Well, at the end of the day, they started tallying up how many trees each had chopped down. And actually, the older guy had almost doubled what the younger guy had chopped down. The younger guy said, I don't get it. How on earth can you, old man, have beat me? There's no way you can hang with me. The old fellow just sat there working on his axe. He said, son, because every once in a while, I stopped to sharpen my axe. Amen? Sometimes we need to stop to sharpen our axe. The Sabbath helps us to do that. It might be for family time. We need time. We almost need an appointment for family time, don't we? We have to put it on our calendar. Aren't you glad God built it in? That, that if we honor him, if we listen to him, there's time built in. You can say, I'm sorry, I can't work. I'm supposed to spend some time with my family. It's for time with our family and the busyness of life. It might be for fun time. God built in some time for us to take a hike. God built in some time for us to go for a walk, to enjoy his creation, to enjoy the life that he's given to us. There is nothing wrong with enjoyment in a right way. And in a sense, if we enjoy in the right way, there's everything right about it. Friends, God is a good God. He created us ultimately to enjoy Him. He is good. Amen? I better get amen. He is good. The Lord is good. And, and He created good things for us to richly enjoy. What a great God. Amen? Listen, because some of us like that part. Oh, good. I like enjoying. I like resting. The problem comes when our pursuit of that becomes self-focused or more important than God. The Lord talks about that in Isaiah 58, verses 13 and 14. If because of the Sabbath you turn your foot from doing your own pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable, and honor it, desisting from your own ways, from seeking your own pleasure and speaking your own word, then you will take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. And I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Wow, God wants us to experience joy, to experience pleasure. He's not only saying it's okay. He wants to give it to us in abundance if we honor Him and look to Him. Amen? In fact, that nuance to that rest part leads us to the next thought. As we think about the need for rest and relaxation and recuperation, that's true. We need to be careful that it doesn't become all about us and our fun. The Sabbath's not just, hey, go get some rest and have fun. Okay, that's not the point, the only point. Because he says it is a Sabbath of the Lord your God or to the Lord your God. It's a day to give him our focus. So let's talk about that. Number two, the Sabbath is about worship. Sabbath is about rest. Praise God. I need some. Sabbath is about worship. Notice these words in Exodus chapter 20. He says, remember the Sabbath. 
Do not forget the Sabbath. Many times we, we, when we talk about the Ten Commandments, and I call myself this week, you know, we need to, have, we need to be biblically minded, not, not even um, churchly minded, okay? It doesn't really say keep the Sabbath. It says remember the Sabbath to keep it, right? See, we want to get into that doing thing, right? Just, just keep it. Just do it. Just be quiet. Sit down. Just do it. That's not what the Lord says. It's not just a do it thing. It's remember it. Remember it so that you can keep it holy. So that you can set it apart as sacred. You can dedicate it. I'm just giving you different translations of the idea. So that you can set it aside for a special purpose. Remember the Sabbath so you can honor it. So you can make it special. It is a Sabbath of or to the Lord your God so that you can remember all that He's done. For God created everything in six days. Therefore, it says, God blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Friends, this is not telling us, go about your business for six days, but then on the seventh, you need to give that one to God. No, the Bible makes it clear. We worship God every day. Amen? And by the way, that, that, that's a step of growth for many of us. God bless you. God bless you. You've been giving God one day a week where you're seeking Him together with us. God bless you for that. But you sense it in your heart. This is not enough. Amen? This is not the game. This is practice. Every day we live and we worship God. So this is not just saying, hey, do what you want, go about your business, but make sure you give God one day. No, it's saying, worship God all the time, but make sure to stop at least once a week to give God a special focus. Write this down. If God did not call us to stop and rest, if we did not discipline ourselves to do this with God's help, we would never do it, would we? If God did not call us to stop and rest, we would never stop and give ourselves rest physically, but also spiritually. We would never take the time to stop and think about God and all that He's done for us. Now, we might do that during the day. You might say, oh, Pastor Robbie, I do that every day. Praise God if you're growing in remembering and worshiping God every day. But let me ask you a question. If you've made a commitment, in that we talk about the journey here at New Hope, in those steps on the journey, one of those steps in the journey is becoming more consistent in experiencing weekend worship together. Is it not true that there is something about this that is different that I need in my life? Amen? We've said the ultimate goal is walking with God daily. So some people turn that around and say, well, that's what I do, so I don't need this anymore. Has anybody ever tried to walk with God by yourself daily without this in your life? I can't teach myself, amen? I can't challenge myself. I can't be all of the gifts of God's Spirit speaking to myself, amen? So we need these times together where we're challenged, we're taught, we're inspired and make this a priority. I don't know if I've ever thought about it like this, but someone said that doing this, I kind of made this word up, maybe somebody else has used it, Sabbathing, doing this, Sabbathing, resting in the Lord once per week for a day is a memorial to the God who made us and all creation, much like saying grace 
before a meal. Now, don't you think about it for just a minute. Sometimes we'll be together, we'll be praying before a meal, and somebody snickers afterwards and says, Dad, you forgot, you forgot to pray for the food. Yeah, I mean, that's a typical pastor thing to do, right? I mean, I'm, I'm praying for lots of other things, and I forget, oh, we're praying for the food. We should pray for the food, but to be honest with you, sometimes I don't forget. See, my goal, I think the Lord's goal, really, in, in, in giving us those times to pray for our meals, yes, is to thank God for the food, but really it's a discipline. Three times a day where I stop, and I say, wait a second, wait a second, I've been busy, but God, I love you. And this food just gives me a reminder that, that you've been good to me. Amen? So it's a little moment of worship. Three times a day. I mean, if you, you know, whenever you eat, that you stop and you thank God. Somebody said that this weekly stopping is kind of like that. We are weekly stopping and say, hey, wait just a minute. Oh my goodness, we're so busy. We are running. I mean, honestly, I could be running today. Right? But Lord, we're going to stop and we're going to put our eyes on you and we're going to thank the one who's done all this for us. The weekly Sabbath reminds us of that. And it reminds us of a greater Sabbath that is coming. Did you know that? The weekly Sabbath reminds us that one day, Hebrews 4 verse 9, I mentioned it just a moment ago, but let's read the verse. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Ultimately, that's talking about all that we've experienced in Jesus Christ. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, there is a rest in your soul, isn't there? When we were singing that song, This We Know, I thought to myself, you know, I I need to point this out. There are many people who didn't know that you can know with confidence that you're right with God. Did you know that the Bible says... Many people say, I hope I have a relationship with God. I hope I'm going to heaven. I hope my sins have been forgiven. That's because religion has told us, try real hard and maybe. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say try real hard. It says, trust in Christ in what He did for you and rest in Him. My soul is not working anymore. Ideally. Right? Right? In practice, I still struggle. But really, if I, if I appropriate the blessings that God has given me, I can rest. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. You say, that sounds arrogant. No, if you put your trust in Christ, you're a child of God. It's not arrogant. It's worship. I'm saying I'm a child of God because all that Christ did for me was enough. I'm secure. If I die this moment, I'm going to heaven because I put my trust in Jesus Christ. Amen? I have a rest in my soul. But not really. It's such a pain living in this world. Amen? I mean, bills and health problems and family issues and oh my goodness. You know, Pastor Robbie, I was feeling good to you. Now my stomach's hurting again. Amen? (laughs) So I have rest. But there's a better rest coming. There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Psalm, um, so I almost skipped over. Let me write, let's write this down. The Sabbath is a time to, first of all, rest. The Sabbath is a time to recharge. 
The Sabbath is a time to reflect, to refocus, and to return our praise and worship back to God. I'll give you just a moment to write those down. It's a time to rest, spiritually even. It's a time to recharge, to reflect, to refocus for the week, and to return our praise and worship back to the Lord. Now to the verse that I want to read. Psalm 46 verse 10 represents this aspect of worship in the Sabbath. Psalm 46 10 says, Cease striving and know that I am God. There, there's a good description of the Sabbath. That can be translated, be still. Relax. It can actually be translated, relax. Relax. Be still and take some time to know that I am God. That's rest and worship, isn't it? We take some time. He says, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Now, there are some questions that people have about this, so let's answer some of those. Do we have to keep the Sabbath? We said it not in the Old Testament way. Now listen, don't don't and don't write don't I mean it's oh okay, so this doesn't apply. No, if you read the Old Testament, there are specific Sabbath laws, very specific. In fact, not just the one day a week thing, but there are Sabbath principles applied in many different ways. There's Sabbath weeks, there's Sabbath months, there's Sabbath years. So there are specific applications of the Sabbath principle, I'll give you one passage, Leviticus 23, verses 23 through 25. It's, it's very similar to the principle of a tithe. In the Old Testament, there are many specific tithes. In fact, some have said that if we tithe all the tithes in the Old Testament, it'd be close to a third of our income. Okay, So there were a lot of different tithes, 10% give back to the Lord, that God had really, for lack of a better word, legislated amongst the Jewish people as a nation. We don't pay those specific tithes exactly as spelled out in the Old Testament law. We don't specifically observe those specific Sabbath days, weeks, months, and years like they did exactly in the Old Testament on the Hebrew calendar. That's why Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17 says, Therefore, in Christ, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. Things which are a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. That's what that's talking about. But the main teaching behind them is still from the heart of God throughout His Word. And I find it hard to believe that it would not matter anymore. So do you have a day that you rest that you worship, and that you trust God to work. And by the way, for those of you that are tightening up a little bit, I'm not sure how this would look. I'm not sure if I like this. I'm not sure if I agree with this. I'm not sure if I believe this. Mark 2, verse 27, Jesus said, The Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. If you're feeling this as, oh, God's really, you know, requiring... No, God's doing us a favor in giving us this teaching. All right, so do we have to keep it? What day is it? What day does the Sabbath have to be? Well, if you study the Old Testament, 
It very obviously is on the seventh day or on Saturday. But there seems to be a clear shift in the New Testament to an emphasis on the first day of the week on Sunday. I'm going to go through this quickly. And you can go back and watch the video or listen to the audio to get these verses. But just listen. One Bible teacher described it like this. There seems to be a foreshadowing of the first day of the week being special even in the Old Testament. Leviticus 23 verse 39. Jesus rose from the dead on the first day of the week. Luke 24 verses 1 and 2. Jesus first appeared to his disciples on the first day of the week. John 20 verse 19. Jesus imparted the Holy Spirit upon them for the first, for the first time on the first day of the week. John 20 verse 22. Jesus gave the great commission on the first day of the week. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. The Holy Spirit was poured out on Pentecost, the first day of the week, Acts 2, 1. The last book of the Bible was written on the first day of the week. John was in the Spirit in Revelation 1, 10. He called it interestingly. He said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Offerings in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 2, were commanded to be received every first day of the week. Now again, that does not mean that we cannot worship on any other day. But we're making sure that we set aside one day to focus on God. And there seems to be great evidence that Sunday would be that day. So then you're sitting here on Saturday night. (laughs) Well, what did we say? Every day is a good day to worship. Amen? My recommendation would be to still give Sunday a special place, even if you come to weekend worship on a Saturday night. My family normally worships with you guys as a group together on Saturday night, but we still treat Sunday with some specialness. And by the way, if it makes you feel a little bit weird, the Jewish Sabbath really started at sundown anyway, so as long as the sun's down, it's Sunday already anyway. Amen? I don't know that the Lord is counting seconds and minutes. Okay, I'm just trying to, 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 to encourage it. What does it look like to worship and not work? We come to church, we serve the Lord, we focus on God more on that day, not on other stuff. Let me give you an example of how I worship the Lord. Now, one of the things, I hesitate to give specific examples sometimes because I don't want you to necessarily think that's exactly what you have to do. But I am trying to give you examples of how to live this out. I'll tell you what I do after the Saturday night service. When I get in my truck and I drive home, I look down and see if I have any gas. If my truck is on empty, even in January, when the sun went down plenty in time for this service, about 4.30, and it's freezing cold and it's snowing, you know what I do? Most often, I get gas on Saturday night. Now, you're saying, is it wrong to get gas on Sunday? It's my way of saying, Lord, I don't want to make anybody I'm responsible for have to work. So this is kind of an example, Lord, to you. It's just a sweet way, I think, for me to say, Lord, you matter to me, and I'm adjusting my life because of you. Does that make sense? So I'm not saying, if you see Pastor Robbie pumping on Sunday, oh, you're a hypocrite. 
We'll see in a minute. Sometimes you got to get the ox out of the ditch. We'll talk about that. And this is not all hard and fast. I'm just telling you, between me and the Lord, that is a disciplined way that I remember I love you, God, and I want to honor you in this way by going out of my way the day before the day that I want to set aside as special for you. We don't, in general, at our house, we don't, again, if you come by my house and you see the dryer vent going on Sunday, it's like, Pastor Robbie, you're a hypocrite. No, but in general, we try not to wash clothes. We try not to clean the house. We try not to do a lot of, you know, around the house projects or grocery shopping or all that kind of stuff. We just try to let the ground rest on that day. Years ago, we were starting Awana on Sunday night and a parent who really truly was growing in the Lord and was just trying to understand, asked us, said, how do you guys do it all? How do you do it all? How do you go grocery shopping and do sports and mow the grass, go to church, go out to eat, and then come back for one? And we said, we don't do all that. We eat and we spend some time together and then we come back. What if I can't come to church on Sunday? What if I have to work? It's a good question, right? There's several things I would say. First of all, thank the Lord we have a Saturday option. Amen? If you have to work on Sunday, thank the Lord. Remember, you can worship any day of the week. Possibly, if you absolutely cannot change that, possibly shift your Sabbath day. You could still have a Sabbath, maybe just not on Sunday. But I'm going to say this. Would you really do that? Would you really do that? Would you really discipline yourself that there's going to be another day of the week that you're going to see that way? Not to work, to rest, to worship, to serve. I want to gently encourage you, not to legislate, but gently encourage you, I would probably trust God for better. I would ask the Lord, God, would you provide me a different job? Would you provide me a different shift that doesn't have to work on Sunday? And young people... If you right now are not in such a situation, plan for different. Make it a priority. I'm going to tell you what. Christians, we need to start being so, stop being so sensitive. And so, you know, oh, what if they get mad? I mean, you know, we're not trying to be ugly, but I'm just saying, it's okay to say, I'm starting this job, but I would like to be off on Sundays. Many times, bosses will say, okay. But Christians are like, no, we'll wait. I'll work there for a few years. And then when they like me, I'll ask them, it ain't going to happen. I'm just encouraging you to think, think maybe a little bit more by faith. Now concerning those last two, trusting God for better or planning for better, I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty, but I do want to encourage you to trust the Lord. When you start a job, ask the boss from the beginning. If they won't let you, maybe trust God for another job. If you're already in a job where you work on Sundays, Ask if you can stop doing that. And if they won't let you, maybe trust God for another job. Now again, let's don't start judging each other. Amen? So there's a balance here. We're not wanting to say we all have to do exactly this, exactly that, exactly this, exactly that. If God's Word doesn't say we've got to do exactly this, exactly that. But I am just trying to give you some teaching, some encouragement, maybe a little bit of an example to help you trust God for more sometimes. Amen? 
That Martian's really coming out now, aren't I? <laughs> Pastor Robbie, you're turning green. You got four heads now. Amen. Write this down. Is it possible that we don't see great movement of God in our lives because we don't trust God in areas where He promises to move greatly? And that leads us to the last thing. The Sabbath is about trust. And now we finally get to the real issue. God says, wait a second, rest and worship. And most of us, I think, would say, I'm all for those. But assuming that you are saying that, the next step for most of us is going to be, well, that's great and all, but this is the next step for many of us. Are you listening? Let's get that out of our vocabulary. That's great and all. What are we saying? God's word is great and all. But, let's say, God's word is great and all. So, amen? Have I lost the bus? Are the kids out of control? Are we still on the same bus? I'm encouraging you to trust God. The Sabbath teaches us can the earth still spin? If I'm not making it. If I don't work on the Sabbath, this is the point, isn't it? Write it down. Will my needs be met? If that's what you think, and I know you do, then you need to learn about the manna in Exodus 16. I'm going to summarize it for you. When the children of Israel were wandering in the desert, God fed them. Every day, God fed them for that day. He fed them something called manna. The reason we call it manna it's because they said, what's this? In Hebrew, that's manna. What? What? What's this? That's what I mean. God gave them manna. What's that? That's exactly, literally what it says. But they could only gather enough of what's this for that day if they gathered because in the Lord's Prayer, it says, give us this day our daily bread. We trust God to meet our needs today, Right? So gather enough for today. If you gather more than today, it'll spoil because you need to trust God for today. But on the day before the Sabbath, God said, I will make an exception. On this day, you can gather two days worth. And it will not spoil. Will you trust me? Now on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one. When all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, then he said to them, This is what the Lord says. Tomorrow is a Sabbath observance, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil, and all that is left over put aside to be kept until morning. So they put it aside until morning as Moses had ordered, and it did not become foul, nor was there any worm in it. It would have the other days. Moses said, Eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be none to gather. It came about on the seventh day that some of the people went out to gather. But guess what? There was no, what is it out there? They found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my instructions? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, He gives you bread for two days. On the sixth day, 
Remain every man in his place. Don't work. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. A great example of trusting God. Many of you have heard about the company Chick-fil-A. Have you ever ridden by a Chick-fil-A on Sunday? I think about Tim Hawkins. What a dirty, rotten trick to play. If you've ever heard that. I was, I was, I was, it's a, it's a song if you can go look it up, but he just jokes about, I wanted Chick-fil-A on Sunday and oh man, I just remembered they're closed today. If you ever go anywhere in the country, pick a day and you drive by Chick-fil-A, there are four times as many people there as the store will hold. It is amazing. It looks like because of their Christian commitment to be closed on Sunday, God has blessed them more the other six days so that they don't have to be open that day. No, surely that couldn't happen. Right? It takes trust, doesn't it? Who does that? Who does that? Who trusts God? Chick-fil-A, more power to you. But who does that? But I would challenge you to trust the Lord. It's much like tithing. Tithing is, we say, God, I'm going to give you automatically 10% of what you've given me because I'm giving that back to you. I'm honoring you with the tithe. And I'm trusting that you can do more with 90% in my possession when I'm giving 10% back to your work, 10% that you gave me anyway to give to that work. That, God, you can do more with that than I can do with 100% by myself, keeping your tithe to myself. Same thing with Sabbath. God, you can do more in six than I can do in my own efforts in seven. Didn't he say that? How long do you refuse to keep my commandments? Don't you hear the heart of the Lord? Now, there is some work that we can maybe do on the rest day. In Matthew 12, 11, Jesus talks about if your ox or if your sheep is in the ditch, get it out. Now, that's something the religious leaders, the religious snobs, they stayed constantly on Jesus about this, maybe more than any other topic, because they had taken it way too far. They actually had written more rules than God. And they had said that a woman could not look in a mirror on the Sabbath because she might see a gray hair, she'd pluck it out, and that'd be working on the Sabbath. And we wonder why people think God is ridiculous. But God gets blamed for a lot of stuff that God never said. God never said that. They said all that stuff. Jesus made it clear. We certainly rest from our normal labor and efforts and worship on the Sabbath. But it is perfectly okay and even right to do good on the Sabbath. Somebody said, Jesus makes it clear that works of necessity and mercy were within the spirit of the commandment. Do you hear that? Works of necessity. Now be careful about that. Because I can sort of spin it around where everything's necessary, right? Is it necessary to put the ACs in on Sunday? Well, if I'm planning out well, I should do like Robbie does on Saturday and try not to do it that day. But if life got the best of me and my family's 
just a degree short of dying. You're going to see me putting in the ACs on Sunday. All right? And I may have to say, Lord, please forgive me. I should have planned better. But this is a work of necessity. Amen? (laughs) Or mercy, if somebody truly needs help. When we went to Texas, we planned our trip with this idea in mind. We actually could have shown up on Sunday night. But we got there on Saturday, technically a day early that we didn't need. But we said, you know what? If we get there on Saturday, we can go to church with the church family we're working with. We can worship the Lord together with them. We can get to know them. We can ride the area. We can breathe after a long flight. We can get out, settled in. We can go ride around, find the areas we're going to. No, you know what we would normally do? Blow in there by 1030 Sunday night. Throw everything in. Everybody asleep. We're getting up at four in the morning. I don't have a clue what we're doing, but it's going to happen. Right? Now, if it needs to happen that way, maybe. But by giving a thought to the Sabbath and the principles behind it, we had a much better experience. Amen? And the blessing of worshiping with another church family. Friends, I want to shoot straight with you. Nobody does this. Nobody does it. But maybe that's why everybody's tired. Maybe that's why everybody's stressed out. Maybe that's why everybody's overworked and angry and ill. I know you might think I'm from Mars. But I would just encourage you. It is in the Ten Commandments. There must be something that God has for us there. It's not an extra special level of Christianity. We said the Ten Commandments are kind of basic guidelines, aren't they? So maybe the devil has given us a bag of goods. Oh, don't worry about this one. Because he knows we're going to be tired and run down and ill and really not be able to do God's work in God's way. Wow. It might be from Mars, but God's on Mars too. (laughs) Amen? (laughs) Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your great love for us. And things might be hard, things might be challenging, but Lord, I pray that we would not talk back to you, but that we would, with a sincere heart, just say, God, teach us. And Lord, this is is kind of a tricky one that is a little bit difficult to know exactly how to apply because of some of the Old Testament specifics. But I pray that the enemy would not cloud the water with that kind of thinking and make us just forget about it. There's something here for us. And I pray that you would teach us. So in these moments, friend, I want you just to spend a few moments before the Lord. Maybe you need some rest. We just take that deep breath. We just say, Lord, I love you. Thank you. Thank you that I stopped here for this last hour or so. I know I got to run as soon as I go out again. But I thank you for this rest, this restful moment. I thank you for speaking to me. I thank you for giving me a refocus, a recharge. 
God, you're a good God. I love you. And would you ask him, Lord, I'm here right now, it's Saturday night, but, but tomorrow's Sunday. How could I make that first day of the week that seems to be a good day that Christians have, have seemed to kind of rally around as, as a day to apply this principle? How could I make that special? How could I show that I'm thinking about you in a, in a way that maybe is different than any other day? How could I be a testimony? Not in a weird way, not in an obnoxious, harsh way, but in a way that's redemptive and healing and powerful and trusting so that a watching world could maybe be drawn to you through what you do in my life on that day. Maybe you're here tonight and you really do need rest. You need that rest for your soul. I remember what it was like when I was wrestling with God. I remember when I knew that I needed Him, but I wasn't sure if I could give my life to Him. And I was living by life by myself, and I knew that I wasn't ready to face Him. I wasn't ready for eternity. Maybe tonight you would just say, you know what, I need that rest of knowing that my sins have been forgiven, that I'm accepted by God as His child, that I'm going to heaven, that He is working in my life, that He's growing me into the person He wants me to be. Not to be perfect, but to live purposefully with God's help. If that is you, would you just say right now to the Lord, Dear God, I know I need you. I need you to come into my life and to give me that rest for my soul. I need you to wash away my sins and be my Savior. And I need you to lead my life. Thank you, God, for saving me. Father, we rejoice that every week, it seems, someone has given their life to Christ. Several last weekend that we know of. And we trust that maybe more this weekend. Help us, God. Help us to receive that rest and help us to grow in it. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.